0: Media.
1: Hello there, and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition with Football Manager. It's Lindsay Hooper here. And me, Kate Ball, Say Hello, coming up on today's
0: pretty unusual show. It's a She Believes to Forget for England, as defeat by Spain
1: in Texas ends a disappointing week for Phil Neville's side out in the USA. And as you well know, English football has ground to a halt as coronavirus puts an end to the WSL and pretty much every other form of football. What are we doing with ourselves? Watching stupid videos on YouTube, if you're me.
0: Full admission from Lindsay Hooper there. I'm sure someone who can relate to that because I can I can only imagine how on earth you've been keeping yourself busy. It's Sophie Lawson, freelance women's football journalist. Welcome to the show, Sophie. Uh, These are strange days, aren't they?
2: They are. And hello. Um, you know what's good on YouTube is the Bon Appetit videos of. Um, I will write these down. Of like gourmet makes phenomenal stuff. I started
1: going on Kate's uh, suggestions for her at the time about eight-year-old daughter, which was these unwrapping. I said, like, "Why do kids watch this? I'm just intrigued. Let's see what it is. It's like unwrapping gifts." Yeah. I still don't understand, Huge but craze. i watched a few.
0: If you're not on this yet, Sophie, and I can understand why not, because you don't have to look after 10-year-olds and 5-year-olds. As, um, far as you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. Cats, maybe. But there is a massive craze, uh, and it's been going for years, and these people earn millions of pounds off it, where basically kids just unwrap things. And it is so simple, but it, but, but it's the ultimate. Um, so we need to come up with some sort of sporting version of that. We must ask how you are. You are freelance, like many of our colleagues as well. You will have seen your work just falling away. And okay, there might be a bit of stuff that we can talk about. But generally, action, match reaction, we can't talk about.
2: It's a strange thing to sort of plan out what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. I'm going to go to that match. And I've got, oh, there's FA Cup, so I can do something about the draw. No, 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 no. So now it's about trying to come up with features and sending very, very polite emails to press officers for phone interviews. But everyone's kind of in the same boat of just having to to brainstorm ideas for content and... I think it's, it's quite a weird time. Definitely a lot of uncertainty for for, for freelancers. Yeah.
1: And we want to extend, uh, you know, our sympathies out as well. All of us here are freelance, producer Lucy included. So we do completely get it. All work has been cancelled in sport, not just football. So there's people out there that are camera operators, editors, people behind the scenes, yeah. Uh, yeah. commentators. Yeah. And we honestly, that just gets extended. And please, let's all come together. And if anybody wants to share anything on that, I know on my My Twitter, if you go to at Lindsay Hooper, I have been putting out a few different bits where there's petitions and things that are going to government about what can be done for self-employed, which is important.
0: Yes, Um, it is. It is also, conversely, a time when we're going to be spending a lot of time indoors, not watching football, but we can be imagining, right? Yeah, and and we can be certainly listening to podcasts. So we are at the offside rule, going to be outputting two podcasts this week on uh, today, Monday, and also on Friday as well. And then as of next week,
1: we're going to review things a little. But we hope to be giving you at least one football podcast a week, right, Lindsay? Yes, it's just about bringing us together to be able to do that in the same room. So that's and the thing. That's who under- says you can't
0: make a podcast out of two football presenters playing football? I mean, I mean, who says you? You know, that's
1: that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> something along those lines we will get something to you um but the football manager uh, mention is an important one because they came in they saved this WSL show and should be the one place that's thriving right now because they've broken records and all sorts of people live streaming the game all simultaneously at the same time if you haven't played for a while we encourage you to do so they are lovely folk at football manager and it's such a great game Yeah, Miles Jacobson,
0: uh, who's one of the founders, tweeted last night, FM20 is currently being played by 84,063 of you via Steam, which is a new record. He's thanked everyone for checking it out and um, I'm sure that they feel honoured that they're entertaining. Lots of people who are in self-isolation at the moment. What would you do, Sophie, if you were in self-isolation for a period of time? How would you keep yourself busy apart from the Bon Appetit videos?
2: I think anyone who... Sort of grew up with a, with a games console, probably put themselves in self-isolation at points anyway. <laughs> of just, I, I, I definitely remember coming home from school, playing one game th- right through into the morning and then going to school, um, which not the best. My grades may have suffered. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff you can do if you are on your own or if you're in a, in a house with people. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of board games anyway. So if I can get people playing, it, it's it's wholesome and it's it's a little bit twee, but definitely love a board game.
1: Excellent. And, Could you not, as a writer, start a book or something? Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I've I've, been, I've had people telling me to write a book for months. Uh, I I don't know what I'd write about. Or I've oh, had too much Sophie. to write.
0: About.
2: Susie Rack is writing a book, by the way. That yes. news came
0: out um, this she week. Is? A mm. book about the lionesses. I think, I think you, can, you could definitely do something along those lines, Sophie. I, I mean, if nothing else about your intrepid travels around the world following football, surely...
2: Possibly. Uh, most most of it gets tweeted, though, so there's not many exclusives. But I do know that, that Susie has, has been writing that book for a little while. And when and when the news came out, uh, no football, everything, she was overjoyed. <laughs> for, I can write my book now, yes! <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think uh, the uh, the coronavirus might have actually helped what with that. Actually that. Helped?
0: Well, if you're listening and you're out there, please stay safe. Please be aware to keep your distance from people is the general advice and everything else involved in washing your hands and sanitising and everything house but most of all we're just um, sending our thoughts and our love out to everyone
1: from our little studio here we can't move on from coronavirus just yet because we need to actually bring out the nitty gritty, the details behind it and what that means and the implications for the game. So the FA did release a statement saying that the FA Premier League, EFL, Barclays, FA Women's Super League and FA Women's Championship have collectively agreed to postpone the professional game in England until Friday, the 3rd of April at the earliest. And you would think in these current times that that will actually have to get extended. I think it most likely
0: will. Yes, uh, we know that this um, includes England team fixtures at every level. We know that uh, non-league football as well is sort of boycotting too because of coronavirus. So we're essentially seeing no football at all well one club who've um, been active on social media since the announcement of the suspension um, is championship side Lewis they tweeted on Saturday that like all smaller clubs and businesses we will have a big revenue hole to fill your support is very welcome and people have responded by investing in the 100% fan owned club so an interesting one this one let's get general manager Maggie Murphy on the line if we can just to find out a little bit more about this campaign I suppose this action by the club
1: Maggie, thank you very much for joining us. And, and let's start with that tweet that went out on Saturday. Uh, you said about being a smaller club and business and the revenue that you, you have that hole to fill off the back of things like coronavirus, like a lot of other people we've discussed. And um, what has the initial reaction to all of this been like for you at Lewis? Lewis?
3: Yeah, so I mean, for us at Lewis, we're still trying to grapple with the implications. We're still waiting to hear, you know, what will happen with the rest of the season, although we're not kind of blind to the risk that this might be it. I guess for us, we're a small to medium sized club. I want to say small to medium and not small. I think a lot of people think that we're a small club, but actually, there's lots and lots of clubs exactly the same size as Lewis, many more that are the same size as Lewis than are the size of Premiership clubs. You know, and, and the way that we make money is through is through our matches, is through, you know, the few hundred, the five, six, seven hundred people that come to our games week in, week out. So mm-hmm. with that revenue gone, there will be a financial implication and that will hit the people that, you know, work for the club as well as just keeping the club, club afloat as, as normal. So, yeah, we've got to take into consideration all these things. We're lucky, though, that we're in a community that is super supportive. And I guess there's this uh, symbiotic relationship, I always think, of it as between the club and the town. So now it's our chance as well to support the town um, and the town is is also going to be supporting us as well. Have you had
0: more investment from fans because of that tweet, or has there been lots of sort of kind words but actually no no solid investment as it were?
3: No oh no we certainly had a little bubble of people that were saying okay what can I do in this kind of situation mm. I can see that football's cancelled I know that there's going to be an impact in my own club I've been meaning to become an owner for so long because I like the principles and values or it's just simply um you know it's a local club community club and they know what we do um for people in the community so I think there was a bubble of people that, oh yes I've been meaning to do that mm. for a while and I can imagine that the club will, will need that support so yeah there was a nice kind of uptick but um at the same time you know we want to be able to prove our value as well. So, you know, we'll be hoping to be able to help out as much as we can as a centre of the community in the, in the town
2: as well. Maggie, I've, I've got a question. I don't know if you can, can answer it. It might be a bit loaded at the minute. We know that in women's football, you kind of have much shorter term contracts. And we're looking at the idea that maybe the season is going to get pushed back. And so it's going to be running into a point when players are out of contract. I mean, is there any outlook on, on what that would look like for Lewis?
3: Well, remember, it was only a couple of weeks ago that the FA decided to extend our our season by a couple of weeks. That doesn't sound like a major deal, but actually for most of women's football, an extra couple of weeks um, is an extra couple of weeks of wages because traditionally the the contracts end on and around the last day of the competitive season. So already we've had to take a little bit of a, a bite in terms of, you know, knowing that we have to extend, you know, you're just having to, there's things that you can't budget for, so you're not necessarily planning for the season to be extended when you're at the beginning of the season, although we will do from now on, I'm sure. So I guess, yeah, naturally the contracts, it will be, you know, they're due to be, over the majority of them will finish in about May. Of course, you've also got to look at the players themselves and they're going to be put into a a really tricky situation where I I don't think there's going to be a very normal situation when it comes to transfers, when it comes to figuring out where players want to live. If the season doesn't end, then do, you, do my players stay living in Lewis? At Lewis, we're quite different insofar as players, a lot of the players come and they move to Lewis and they live in Lewis mm-hmm. in the town. Whereas I think London clubs, obviously, you, you live in London and you travel to whichever of the clubs that you're playing for at that time. So You know, I think that the focus for me at the moment is making sure the players are okay and that they feel supported and if they choose to go, that they are able to go and if they choose to stay, you know, we'll still be looking after them. Basically, it's unprecedented and we don't really know what's going to happen, especially until we get further guidance from the FA about the season and, and what that means for,
1: for us. Yeah, and that guidance could come and it could mean playing fixtures much later on. You've had this huge void that you've had to fill. How are you guiding your coaches at the moment? Because to go from playing sort of week in, week out and then having this substantial void in the season, how do they manage the players and how do you manage them?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. So already, although the season was extended by two weeks, Before this weekend, we've come off the back of two weeks without fixtures as well. Um, So even though we were willing to play our opponents a couple of weeks ago, we were told that we had to hold because we all had to play on the last game of the season. So we didn't have a competitive game. We had a friendly a few weeks ago, and then we had another friendly last weekend. And then this weekend, obviously, at the last minute, our game was postponed. What we decided to do for our players, I'm not quite sure what other clubs are doing, but we've given them this week off. That's partly a psychological thing, I think, because for them to not know what they're training for yeah. we thought it was a good time to give them a bit of a break they've already had a couple of weeks without a proper game a week off which allows us to recalibrate and figure out okay will we get more information will we get more guidance and and then that buys us a little bit more time so that we can put a plan in place to, to help them should the season restart or not start I don't think the season's going to restart again that's my personal kind of gut feeling but you know we all we can do is is try to make sure we're able to support those players and the coaches as well. Maggie, one one more from me. A little bit off the topic of,
2: uh, of football. Um, everyone knows if you go down to the dripping pan, you've got to try the pies. Uh, so any any plans to start a, a delivery company with those pies and deliver them <laughs> around <laughs>
3: Lewis?
2: <laughs> instead of getting people down to the pan, obviously we want to be aware of any... Yeah. Um. So yeah, start delivering them out
3: instead. Thank you, Sophie. Yes, our our pies are absolutely wonderful. You should definitely come and try them next time you're having a drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I was actually thinking about the pies earlier and thinking, how many do we have in the freezer um, and what could we do with them? It, it, never come, it, you know, it might come to a point where we might be wanting to support people in the community and, and get those pies out, but I just don't know what our stock is like at the moment. So, um, yeah, I have, I'll have to see Sophie, but I'll put you on a list, yeah? brilliant <laughs> oh yeah put, <laughs> Kate, back. put Kate and I down as well, we'll we'd like we'll okay. we'd like a Lewis pie care
0: package please um, Maggie Murphy thanks so much for talking to us interesting what you've said there about that you don't feel the season will restart but of course no one really knows until we get further guidance and that will happen um, if it's not happened already by the, by the time our listeners are listening to this uh, that will happen very very soon there you go our thoughts lots of love sent out to Lewis and to all the other clubs at the moment in a bit of a hiatus over coronavirus
1: This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, as well as that there from Maggie, which gives us the viewpoint of the league, of course, major tournaments could be affected as well. And it's the implications of potentially moving the men's European championships from this summer and postponing for a year. Now, when you read around about this, there's actually a meeting going on today as we record this podcast. I'm sure there will be updates. But if you're listening in at the time of recording, a lot of the proposals seem to be that the Euros could move back to 2021, which would impact on the tournament for the women this is something that I think could be a great opportunity for the game for the for them both to run concurrently they're not going to be crossing over at stadiums apart from Wembley for the final where they're both using Wembley Stadium this is something that could happen and bring men's and women's football together do you agree Sophie or is this something that you think that the knock-on effect will be that the women's tournament just has to move
2: I I think the the initial Thought and feeling is is that the yeah, the women's tournament will, will be will be moving, um, but as as you say it's, it's only the finals at Wembley, so there isn't really an overlap. But there is also the issue of if they do run concurrently, they're going to be flying each other for column space. It's not just having you know all all your journalists you've got to split them up. It is how much room you can then devote um, in papers, online, in on TV to a women's tournament if a men's tournament's happening.
0: Can they not run, you know, one in sort of end of May or one in June and sort of one in July and we look at a slight delay to the start of the season? I mean, also what we have to know is that Euro 2020 is not just being held in England, it's being held all over Europe, right? And that's its selling point. So we've actually only got, you know, a small number of games here anyway.
1: Well, it's 2020, it's its selling point, but right now it's its downfall is because of that European crossover, the eight different Cities. The fact that that opening match cannot possibly take place in Rome right now in Italy. So the twenty twenty one tournament, which is a home tournament, much less of a threat. You know, is there a way of switching these over? Could the women play in twenty twenty and the men play in twenty twenty one? Gosh, I don't think Phil Neville's ready for that.
2: Well, there's. I also don't the think Olympics. we're ready for that, are we? <laughs> we'll move yeah. on to that chat. <laughs> well,
0: and there's a couple of things to bear in mind here. As you say, there's the Olympics. I mean, me personally, I don't understand why we can't have the women's Euros, Euro 2021 and the men's Euros running together, particularly because the men's Euros will be around Europe. And I hear what you're saying about resource. But actually, I think there's an opportunity here. There's plenty of freelancers around who are going to need work by then anyway. But also, I'd be concerned because if we shunt the women's Euros to 2022, that's then going to clash with the World Cup, which means that your journalists, some are in Qatar and and some are here. You're,
2: You're basically spreading them even further apart. Yeah, there's there's not really a good solution. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think this is kind of why we, we leave it to UEFA, so we can be angry with them rather than ourselves. But, um, yeah, it's I think the problem is women's football always seems to be, to be that afterthought. Yeah. And um, I think you absolutely can have a men's Euros next summer that kind of flows in to the women's Euros, and it wouldn't be, you know, too much. But... Um, uh, there there are definitely options but some of them aren't great
1: no. no. Um, well, FA Cup ties they have also been postponed. Um, Arsenal versus Spurs. It was the North London Derby that everyone was looking forward to. Didn't go ahead. Neither did Brighton versus Birmingham. Everton v Chelsea or Leicester v Man City. Feels like we've been talking about these fixtures for weeks. Oh, this is literally
0: all we've been hanging on I know to. That, but of course, they've gone. What's going to happen to the FA Cup, Sophie? Do you think a bit like Maggie Murphy said? She doesn't see the season getting underway again.
2: I think you've got more chance of, of holding those last year. I mean, it's uh, for seven FA Cup ties, including the final, would be. Whereas a whole, you've got to continue the rest of the season. That's games every weekend. Yeah. That's a lot. But I think you could potentially kind of get the FA Cup out the way.
1: I know that you keep across European leagues, Sophie. So give us a bit of insight into what's been happening abroad. So France is suspended. Yep. Spain. Suspended. P- suspended. Germany. Suspended. Uh, but you can watch the W League. Australia. <laughs> There's the grand final. Which, <laughs> oh, one which, more game.
2: <laughs> one more game in <laughs> Australia. Next weekend. Um, and as of yesterday, uh, the Football Federation of Australia have ruled they will take place behind closed doors like right. all A-League matches. But that is, of course, subject to change. However, this weekend gone, there was women's football in, and I hope I get these right, Hungary, Serbia, Brazil... Australia, Argentina, and I think Mexico, although now the Mexican League... Um, the next federation has called off uh, the leaks.
0: In terms of the NWSL for people wondering what's going on over in the States, um, their season wasn't due to restart until April the 18th pre-season's been cancelled and it's probably likely that the beginning of the season will be kibosh too. What we do know for sure is that the two USWNT friendly matches against Australia on April 10th and Brazil on April 14th have both been cancelled. There are six games in total, we don't know about the, the next four but these are all kind of warm-up games in in preparation for the Olympics.
1: The one case that we did hear about of coronavirus and a player being quarantined uh, was Caitlin Ford at Arsenal. Um, she'd been away for an Olympic. Qualifier against Vietnam, playing for Australia, came back and has been one of the players in self isolation. I am sure there are probably more, but they've stopped testing people now, so I don't think we even know in the whole grip of yeah. the country how many people have actually got it. But and in terms of Caitlin Ford, she she was going to have to
0: go into quarantine anyway for the simple fact that that, that she traveled, gone out to Vietnam. Yeah. yeah,
1: this would have been had the league gone ahead. First of all, the state that Arsenal are in yeah. as a club. Wow,
2: I think Arsenal. I don't want to be insensitive here. I think they they got a little bit, maybe not lucky, but to have their tie called off with, with Spurs when they had so many injuries... Uh, Ford wouldn't have been eligible McCabe uh, would, was suspended I don't think they would have had 11 players to put out on the pitch so I think for, for Arsenal especially with all their injuries I've seen a lot of reaction from the fans about them being very
1: happy that this season mm. has had, to, had mm. to take a little break Not so good though for the head coach at the moment Joe Montemuro who's had to go back to Australia for another time is this about the second or third time? Second time Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, on compassionate leave at the yeah. moment so thoughts go out to him and the club at the moment really having to navigate through some very choppy waters.
0: Yeah, and you have to feel for them there because I, I think ultimately, look, we know that assistants Aaron Dantino and Leanne Hall uh, will take care of management duties as they did um, before Christmas, I think it was, uh, when Joe last went back to Australia for you know personal family reasons. Um, I think essentially no one knows quite what's going to happen with this season, do they? And then also, Sophie, just, just to add in quickly because we're having the same debate in the men's game, what happens with promotion and relegation too? What are your feelings? You spend a lot of time gauging opinions, I know very much part of the women's football community what are your feelings on what will happen to the season
2: i'm not entirely sure i think everything everything is so so up in the air at the minute obviously uh, arsenal fans quite want the season called off with them holding the the, the title from last season uh, city fans want it called off from now because they're top of the table i think everyone and everyone wants their football back Um, And the fans obviously want things to work out for them. So we heard from from Maggie Lewis on in the best position in in the championship at the minute. It's very hard because um, if you look at Sunderland, who actually played one of the few National League matches yesterday, they beat Stoke. Uh, They're now, I think it's about 11 points clear. They're pushing for promotion. What happens with them? Yeah, exactly. It's, It's all a bit of a mess. And I think one way or another some teams, whether it's because the season goes on, maybe it, it, because it doesn't or gets it, it mm-hmm. cut off now teams, uh, players you know, things people are budgeted for they're going to get shafted
1: yes. Well we've, we've actually dedicated a lot of this podcast so far to what's not happening but the rest of the podcast, <laughs> if you are still with us, is going to be all about matches that have happened, uh, we'll talk She Believes Cup next
0: over the top and the flag stays down. Here is Jordan Knobs for England. White making the run. Paris following up and Spain survive. Big chance for England. And they can't convert. They have the bodies forward. But in the end Spain got enough bodies in the way. It's Sloppy from England. Spain with a great chance for the opener, and Telford saves from Marasa. What a huge moment that would have been on her first start for her country. Rosso's delivery, it's a good header, and Spain have the lead. Alexia Piteas with her second goal of the tournament, and
4: England trails Spain by a goal to nil. Rapino! oh it's brilliant, Megan Rapino gives the United States the lead inside, seven minutes in style, oh dear, goalkeeper, press 2-0, Haran, USA wrap up victory from the set piece, Lindsay Haran rising above everyone, they have their two goal cushion back, and that should be the win. Another one for the USA. The moment we've been waiting for then. She believes Cup champions 2020. Once again, it is the United States of America. 2020 has started very well for the United States. Have to see where it takes them. Another trophy in the cabinet for this juggernaut of a team.
1: So, another great tournament for USA to enjoy, but England didn't retain their title at the She Cup. Far from it. I think we get straight into the post-match comments from Phil Neville, first of all, and how he felt that his position would be under scrutiny and that he was expecting some backlash. Shall I give you a few of them? Well, I, I wanted to, first of all, grill Sophie about these rumours that I saw straight away, that he was going to resign. That was the first thing that came up, and that's not happened.
2: Uh, no, it... <laughs> I think it was when he gave his flash interview to to the BBC. Some people were saying that that almost sounds like a verbal uh, resignation. He hasn't resigned. Uh, the interesting thing with with Phil Neville is, and I'm trying to say this as nicely as I can, and I'm definitely not trying to throw in any shade. I think there's the way a lot of people see things, and there's the way Phil Neville sees things. So, can uh, uh, if you if you wish. You know there wasn't any pressure on England to retain the She Believes. He had the full backing of the FA. They could have gone and just been terrible in every match, but it was Neville who said we're gonna we're gonna keep the trophy. We're gonna be ama- amazing. Yada yada yada. So it's he's putting these pressures on himself. He's <coughs> it's a weird way of phrase it, but it's almost like he's putting words into his own mouth. Yeah. I think there was a a piece in in the Mail. You know, oh is he gonna leave? Is he not? As you said, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Fans in England aren't unhappy. Um, you know, it's interesting because you've got fans in the US who are, who are saying, what are you doing? Why are you persisting with this guy? But what we're seeing from the mainstream media in England is he's uh, Neville is still very much backed. Uh, no one's calling for his head. Whereas I think if we were to flip it and put him in the men's game with seven losses in his last eight, uh, 11, mm. then I think there's a few tabloids who probably this have... This would be different. And I, yeah,
0: the FA have bought into Phil Neville. Don't forget yeah. that if the Olympics still stands, he's in charge of the squad for that. So it would look pretty dire if they were to sack him, but retain him as a manager of Team GB for the Olympics, I think. the and interesting there is in this question quote, of,
1: of Euro 2021, although yeah. that may be put back. The interesting quote that I, I picked up on was him saying that he'll know when his time has come but that does suggest, that's, does suggest that there isn't going to be any trigger pulling in this that he will know when when he's done with the job
2: i, th- I think you're you're referencing an article where he mentions being sat in the loo yes um, yeah that's exactly the one i'm talking and about and then it was <laughs> in the loo and then it, in the article it became on the loo and it was a little bit
1: yeah um okay so i shouldn't take this too seriously is what you're saying no
2: no i, th- I think y- you should i i I don't know what's going on in Phil Neville's head. I don't think anyone does. I think the question, and it's not it's not a should he go, should he stay? He's terrible. He's, bra- he's great. It's is the football good enough? Is he getting enough from the players?
1: He's had over two years you know, make your own conclusions. Friendlies, which is what the She Believes Cup is, it comes in the middle of a season, not the best timing either when you're just hauling players out of their domestic clubs and, and being in a momentum with club football to then go to a camp and work with England, I suppose, is one argument. Two is that, you know, these players, Lionesses at the moment, were depleted somewhat because there were bigger missions from the side. So we could factor that in. But overall, are Spain a better club than England right now? What do we get from that last match? Because that was the biggest test of them all. I think we all expected USA would would beat England. Mm, I think one...
2: England a mid season, Spain a mid season, Japan a pre season. Last month they would have been playing AFC qualifiers for the Olympics if they weren't the hosts. So the US were in in Concacaf qualifiers for the Olympics. They weren't really massively tested, but so those are you've got two nations who weren't in season against two that were. So you can factor that in. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was no Lucy Bronze. Yes, there was no Beth Mead, and we we know that Lucy Bronze is one of the best defenders in the world. Even if she plays in midfield for England, um, it's surely there is enough else in the England squad to to pick up some of the slack.
0: So Phil Neville, you know, in my opinion, perhaps doesn't help himself with what he says. I get what you're saying on that one, Sophie. But let's have a look at the performance. Let's you know focus on the football here. For that last game against Spain, we did, um, of course, have a couple of players uh, arrive with protective boots on. So we already knew that that there was you know potentially going to be a weakness in the squad. Following women's football as you do. Your opinion on that side. Are they technically as good as we think they are? Where are the weak points? Where do you see that it might not be coming together for the England
2: side? Um, I, I think England are never gonna be a Spain, they're never gonna be a Japan, they're not we don't produce technical player after technical player after technical player. We do have some in the squad, we do have some good ball players. And in the first half against Spain, which is very easy to forget. England were on top. They played some brilliant football. Um, I think Jordan Nobbs was, was fantastic. It was one of the few times we have seen her at her best or something near um, for England. So that I think you can play more of a passing game, more of a possession-based style with this team. You just have to know your limitations and and try and tailor with the players you have. Whereas if you look at the defence, maybe Steph Horton, Millie Bright aren't the best at playing out, especially not under pressure.
1: So if you're going to play that style, you need to play the right players for it. We touched on this in last week's podcast, but do you think that collectively, England used to be better? They might not have had as good technical players, but they were collectively a better force. And now, do you think there are a few more individuals? And is that part of the price that you pay for having players that are shipped out all over Europe. I thought Nikita Paris was very good in this match against Spain. I think she showed great, great moments. Rachel Daly has always come into that category whereby she comes into the England squad from America probably feeling more like an individual than any of the others because she's playing out there and always, I think, impresses. But I don't think individually we can critique them because I think they've all got their strengths and, and are very, very good players. But have we lost something collectively?
2: And this is something that I think people are more than welcome to to disagree with. It's my own thought. But I've been watching England for for a few years. I watched the Mark Sampson style, which was a lot of long balls, admittedly. But he had a team composed mostly of Man City players before they all went to Lyon. And I would watch England and I'd see Man City, Man City, Man City. Those players would be fantastic in the league under Nick Cushing. They would understand each other, they'd know each other's rhythms. You put them into an England shirt, same players, know each other, live in each other's pockets all all season long and then they just kind of lose something. And I think we're still having that problem in the the national side with cohesion. Mm. Um, I don't think that's anything new. I think the style might have changed a bit, the managers changed, some of the personnel, but there's still that players aren't quite clicking as, as you'd want them to.
0: Okay, well, let's move on from England. USA winning the She Believes uh, Cup. That was going on on the pitch, but off the pitch, there was a controversy unfolding and that was all connected to their governing body, US soccer. I'm sure that many women's football fans will be across this, but let's just give you a quick timeline. Last Wednesday, lawyers for the football governing body submitted claims in legal papers as part of a lawsuit over equal pay filed by 28 of the women's national team players in the US. Uh, And this, the content of these papers basically justified the non-equal pay in that the US women's football team is less skilled and has fewer responsibilities than their male colleagues. Cue shock and outrage because, rightly so, to say that a women's football team is less skilled than a men's football team is just disgusting the USA side made a statement by wearing their tops inside out so they turned their jerseys inside out that covered the US soccer logo but it didn't cover those four stars to represent the four World Cup wins that happened before their final game against Japan and Megan Rapinoe spoke up afterwards calling it painful and unacceptable so some powerful moments Sophie and some powerful statements really from the US soccer team
2: yeah, it's. Um, I think that they've definitely had um, windows of, of opportunity when they could have done something as, as extreme as striking, and, and they haven't. They've, I'd say almost they, they've kind of towed the company line mm. to 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 degree to a certain extent. Yeah, it was quite. You know, it, it's a big statement, and they've actually brought out <laughs> merchandise for it with the the yeah, the, the crest. Uh, it's it's a mess, and u s soccer have have continued to 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 make a mess of everything whereas if you take away that the specific rhetoric they've been running with they did actually have legal arguments that would have stood up and they've kind of just just um i I think they've got a lie in 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 the bed they made now
1: and possibly uh end up settling Mm. just to round that off by Friday morning it had been announced that US soccer president uh, Carlos Cordero had resigned after taking responsibility for offensive language used in those court papers and he did go on to say my one and only mission has always been to do what is best for our federation
0: yeah, um, in his place, it was announced on Thursday that Cindy Parlo-Cone, who's the former player, uh, she made 153 appearances for the US actually. She stepped up from vice president up until February 2021 when uh, we will see a kind of official full-time successor named. Um, Cindy Parlo-Cone is notably the first female president of US soccer. OK, well, let's get the reaction stateside from Meg Linehan. She's a writer for The Athletic, a great authority on women's soccer, as it's known over in the U.S. Meg, thanks for joining us here on The Offside Rule. Thank
5: you. Thank <laughs> you for calling it soccer.
0: <laughs> I will Through gritted cool. team Yeah, I will have to call it football from this point onwards. Otherwise, I will right, never live fair. it down. <laughs> um, Meg, look, huge headlines last week regarding uh, the U.S. women's soccer team. I'm not sure about you, but I I still cannot believe that a report from supposedly educated people came to the conclusion that it did.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that's, I guess, sort of the joy of having a legal argument, right, versus like an actual argument that you might want the public to read, although... Of course, these were always going to end up in in the matter of public record and obviously, you know the way that our legal system works, it's not necessarily that it immediately goes public to everyone, it's that, you know, reporters and and other people have to actually pay to access these documents. So like my life over the past few months has been wait for this stuff to get filed on this website called Pacer and then you pay 10 cents a page and then I get to read it and be mad for a few hours, right? Wow. And try to to put it online for people to start to digest and, you know, the, the February filing was uh, over a thousand pages. This, this March filing was 2,600 pages. So there's a lot to dig through, but it, it has been kind of this wild ride of, you know, it's been really escalating since the world cup and to see so much happen in the span of what, four or five days was just, it's weird because I feel like we've kind of been on this path for the entire time. But then to actually start to see some of these dominoes start to fall has been very, very strange.
1: Meg, was it apparent to you straight away that the U.S. soccer president at the time, Carlos Cordero, that his position was going to immediately be untenable given some of the findings?
5: I think it wasn't even the legal documents. It was the sponsor's starting to finally weigh in, right? And and really be forced and as soon as the money really starts to come into question, I think that that immediately puts someone's job at risk. And I had just finished filing a, like my first column on this entire thing being like even if Carlos Cordero elects to resign, right, which did end up happening, it does not truly solve anything. He is part of a system. And the system is what Is the issue like he is not the only one who probably have knowledge of where the the argument, the main argument of the filings was going. He's not the only one who has been part of the system that has essentially depressed the wages of the U.S. Women's National teams over the years. Like that was a huge part of my column of some of these legal disputes that they've had in 1995, in 2000 um, and beyond. Right of men in power being like, oh, the women should be grateful for what they have. Mm. I mean, that would be a weak
1: argument anyway and you look at around the rest of the world and the women's game isn't ad- as advanced or even ahead like it is in the state. so it's got us all scratching our heads because you just want to shout when you see the verdicts like that but it's the yeah. US and the US team have been so successful and they've been more commercial Can
0: I get you just to dial back on this a bit Meg, just for our listeners who don't know the history of this, we obviously know what's just happened but what simply put is the argument of the US women's Team, why are they in the midst of a legal dispute? Just 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 explain it really simply.
5: So equal pay has obviously been like the big uh message, right, across this entire thing, but the lawsuit has also been about equal investment and equal respect this entire time as well. And I think that those kind of get lost in the shuffle. But it's really just yes, they are looking to say, like, okay, if you paid us on the same pay structure is what the U.S. men's national team make, right? They actually had a financial expert go through those numbers and say, okay, well, the difference between what we would have made versus what the men would have made had they had our success is millions and millions of dollars, right? But when you go back to that original lawsuit filing on International Women's Day last year, a huge chunk of this lawsuit is also the amount of money that they put into the men's national team for marketing, for all of this other stuff. So... The fundamental thing here at play is still like, we have no idea how valuable the entity of the U.S. women's national team is, because every single deal for U.S. soccer is done as a, as a package. So you've never, you've never really gotten a sense of what is equal pay for the women based on their actual value. I mean, in, in all of
1: the research that you've done, is there anything that you can find that actually holds some clarity because you look at the commercial entity of the US women's team and how much more they've sold in terms of shirts and memorabilia, et cetera, yeah. all merchandise, the success that they've had, the the gold medals that they've won, which of course drowns into comparison um, compared to the men's. Is there anything that's got any substance?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's really hard because also, you know, so we finally have like full unredacted versions of both the women's and the men's collective bargaining agreements, which I do think helps provide at least some clarity in terms of how differently they're structured and and some of these payment systems, right, that are happening. That's kind of the only point of data Mm. I think that we truly have, in addition to maybe like U.S soccer tax returns but even those like they're so uh the categorization of the expenses versus revenue are so high right like the books have never been opened publicly which uh, you know makes sense from a u.s soccer point of view that's the last thing they want so it is it is really hard to put this lawsuit in a full financial context it's it's Mm -hmm. impossible
1: do you think this is going to elongate it as well, the change in presidency? Are we going to see this lawsuit ramble on even longer?
5: I think May 5th is now definitely a, a date that is not going to hit simply because, A, with the pandemic right at the moment, the courts are just like not hearing cases right at the moment. So everything's being continued until, you know, everything that was supposed to be in March is now continued until April. I, I think that that's probably going to be a pattern until we figure out, I guess, a new normal, right? Um, and I do think that probably with Cindy Parlo-Cohn stepping in as U.S. Soccer president, and I think the full board being aware of the public pressure that has been put on U.S. Soccer so far—that that had Carlos Cordero resign—like I think that there will be some internal pressure to go back to the table and uh, revisit. You know, they they tried to settle this. Back, uh, even like during the World Cup, right? Like they were having talks at that time. Mm-hmm. I remember being in France and like getting pulled aside and being told, that, like, we were doing some talks, they fell apart, you're going to hear about it, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Well, if they were hoping that this was all going to exit quietly, they've got another thing coming, not only because of what's in those documents, also because of Megan Rapinoe and how outspoken she's been. It is an ongoing story. Um, I know the end is not not nigh yet, but a massive own goal it has to be said by US soccer in their handling of this, and that can hopefully only strengthen the case of
1: uh, the lawsuit by those US national players. Whilst we're talking international football, uh, we'll wrap up the Pinnatar Cup as well, because this is a great one for Scotland. They were crown winners of the competition. uh, Three wins out of three after coming from a goal down to beat Northern Ireland 2-1 in their final game last Tuesday. Erin Cuthbert um, cancelled out Rachel Furness's early header. Abby Grant capitalised on some poor defending as well to score her second goal in as many games.
0: Northern Ireland lost all three games to finish bottom
2: of the standings in that one.
1: But Northern Ireland
2: are greatly improved under their new coach, Kenny Shields. And everyone should definitely (laughs) check out Erin Cuthbert's goal. Yes. Because it was a belter. It was an absolute belter.
0: Well, Wales' Euro preparations, that's if the Euros are next year, were boosted with a 2 0 victory over Estonia. Uh, And that game featured
1: a first goal for Megan Wynn. And just to round everything off, the Republic of Ireland made it five games unbeaten in Euro 2021 qualifying. They beat Montenegro 3-0 last Wednesday and it featured goals from Diane Caldwell, Denise O'Sullivan and Arsenal's Katie McCabe. Uh, their next qualifier is due to be away to unbeaten Germany on the 11th of April, if of course that goes ahead. Should we give you some good news concerning the home nations?
0: Um, this is from BBC Sport Wales. Uh, a record 8,600 women and girls are now signed up to to football clubs in Wales. That's a 50% increase since 2006. That's brilliant.
1: Ooh. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition with Football Manager. Shall we round up some contract news? It seems to still rumble on. Uh, you're looking at me blankly, Sophie, but when I say <laughs> Drew Spence signed a new yes, contract... Yes, e- she did. Yes, does this ring a bell? Um, new two-year deal with Chelsea. Great news for her. Fantastic news. Um, I think
2: she's never going to be the player that springs to mind when you think of Chelsea uh, which is no slight on her but she she's shown that she she knows exactly what what well, um, Emma Hayes wants from her, and is is always is, has worked incredibly hard on her game over, over the years uh, at Chelsea, and I think she's always going to be that option. If if not a starter, then she's off the, off the bench and, and quite versatile as well. So
1: she's the club's longest-serving player. She People might that. not realise yes. that. So 198 appearances, and she's won six trophies. So her downstairs toilet is very busy. <laughs> that feels like <laughs> <Don't. a> euphemism but <laughs> um, seeing as you've been watching W League uh, you told us this before coming in to record the podcast I wanted to mention Natasha Dowie because she's been doing sensationally over in, in Australia but she's been enjoying great success there scored a lot of goals out in Australia would you recommend other players following in her footsteps and looking at that as a potential? Um, I, I, I think
2: Dowie particularly likes it in Australia, and she uh, spends the off-season in Europe. She was at uh, Volarenga uh, last season, the season before she was at Linköping. And I, I think it's it's just climates that are, are brilliant for her. Mm. And she's very relaxed in her game, and she's very prolific. Mm. You know, Melbourne Victory, she's also won their star players as well, so a lot can go through her. I, you know, I, I think there's, there are many options uh, around the world for, for and players. And it also
0: fits those players who want to play football full time and so therefore can fit effectively two seasons into one year as well. Some other good news, uh, this came out last week, the Football Association is planning to sell the domestic media rights uh, for the Women's Super League for the first time and that's of course after offering them up for free, showing the matches for free and this is a really good sign for the women's game too that it's now perceived to be worth actually Actual cash when we're talking about the rights, Sophie.
2: Yeah, I, unfortunately, right now, I think if anyone buys it, they'll just get a women's football version of the test card because there is no football. But, um, but it's 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 fantastic news. Uh, uh, we know that the FA have been working quite hard behind the scenes to try and get arm um, deals in place. They uh, had a specific one uh, through, oh, I want to say optus Sport. In, mm-hmm. in Australia, so they've had a few and it's uh, Kelly Simmons has been working really hard to get these types of deals pushed through and we are well, seeing it's, it's it's monetizable.
1: It does throw up the debate though and it isn't just with women's football, it is any minority sports that are still growing that are trying to gain more audience, that if you put them behind a paywall, it's bad news, so does the buyer, the person that comes in for these rights, need to be a terrestrial ch- channel at least, to keep the momentum of the viewers coming to the game?
2: I wouldn't even say they need to be terrestrial. I think if you offer more options for online streaming, I think that that can get to more people, and and then you've also got the option of, of watching a later date if you if you so wish. Yeah. So if you've got some kind of equivalent of the FA Player, yeah. but you have you to could care do it that way. You? I, you fantastic. know, the, the
0: the growing part of women's football is the eighteen to thirty five bracket arguably 18 to 24 we know that that generation because it is a different generation from me unfortunately watch most of their tv on tablets now so it seems um, to me to be a positive way forward so this will be by the way um the round of bargaining for the 2021-22 season so we're, uh, a little bit ahead of where we are now
2: and we hope to have football back up and running by then oh yes yeah.
0: you know what that music means it's our new any other
1: business theme tune mightily impressive it is too just got a couple to finish up on this one lindsay I'm going to start with a tweet from Eva Mannion on Twitter. So she said anyone out of town concerned about their elderly relatives during this coronavirus crisis for accessing grocery stores, things like that, for their food shop in central Manchester area. She said DM me, maybe I can help, yes, and which Jess I thought was Fishlock. so sweet. Yes,
2: Fishlock did, did the same thing over in the States, didn't yeah. she? I'm in, uh, on the back of uh, Eva's tweet, I've seen Julie Flarty, Martha Thomas and Erin Cuthbert all offer similar I think. There there might be others around but I haven't seen I'm them. I'm sure there are but, but yeah.
0: Uh, great stuff there yeah. from the women's football community. Also this from Girls on the Ball as well and they've rightly pointed out the, the, the other side of this of course is not just that we don't have football to watch, it's that social isolation, potentially loneliness, mental health issues will start to get on top of a few of us so well done to Girls on the Ball. They've set up a weekly Facebook Live for people to join and uh, they say that you can talk footy, travel or whatever else comes to mind. That'll be every Wednesday starting this Wednesday the
1: 18th at eight o'clock and you can check them out on Twitter for full details that is your lot for this week Um, exhale uh, for the next few weeks whilst we wait and see what happens to football a big thank you once again to our sponsor football manager we are going to be back as soon as we can
0: There is a regular Offside Wall edition this Friday. We'll let you know what happens next week. Um, But either way, we are aiming to bring you at least one podcast a week here. Quite what it'll be will be a challenge, but actually I'm looking forward to this challenge, going out and getting some football
1: content when nobody's playing football. Yes. It's, it's a challenge, but we shall try and meet it And me. our writers are taking up the challenge as well. We're continuing to put content on the website offsidewallpodcast.com. so you can go there for all the latest shows, the articles covering both the, the men's game and the women's game as well. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Sophie. Uh, what are you going to be doing for the next few weeks as we're just staring into the abyss? Uh, I was planning on washing my
2: hands if a fair <laughs> Yeah. Um... <laughs> Trying to come up with, with, with content, uh, playing some video games. I was going to look into Football Manager. Uh, yeah, top marks.
1: And trying to talk my mum into an old game of Trivial Pursuit. Gold star for you. Can you pass me that hand wash, that antibacterial <laughs> stuff there? Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Go and douse yourself down, folks. See you soon. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, WSL
3: Edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.
5: Marini's Media.